0: All right, I would if this morning, if you will, turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 20 and stand with us for the reading and reverence of the word of God. 1 Samuel chapter number 20, we'll read a verse of scripture here, probably uh, one verse of scripture and then we'll pray and then I'll back up and try to lay a little bit of background here to what it is that I feel like. The Lord has laid on our heart this morning. Okay. Um, covet your prayers this morning as we try to preach. First Samuel chapter number 20, verse number three, the Bible said, And David swear, moreover, and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this. Lest he be grieved, but truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. You can be seated this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we desperately need a touch from on high. We thank you, God, for the good singing this morning, Lord, for the praise that's been given up to you. We thank you for that blood. Lord, we thank you that you put our sin under the blood, and we thank you for going to the cross of Calvary to bleed and to die, and it was that shedding of blood that brought remission of my sin, and I thank you for that this morning. We desperately need a touch from you. Pray, God, that you'd help us as we give this thought that you've laid on our heart, and Lord, you know the struggle and the trial of trying to make sure that we had the message for that God, we sought You in prayer. We studied in Your Word. And God, You've led us in this direction. And all we can do this morning is trust You. And pray, God, that You do this what You want to do. That we get ourselves out of the way. Be led of the Holy Ghost of God for a little while this morning. And that You give us ears to hear what thus saith the Lord in this place. We will absolutely be very careful. Give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. And Lord, if there's anything done here this morning that's good, it won't be because I done it or anyone else done it, it'll be because you done it. We thank you, God, for dying for us. Help us now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to call your attention to this one little phrase in chapter 20, verse number three, at the end of the chapter, where David said to Jonathan, there is but a step, Between me and death. I want you to know this morning, there's a lot of people uh, that just by nature are standing on death's doorstep. But I also want you to know this morning, you're a heartbeat away from hitting the ground this morning, never to breathe again. You don't know what your life holds, and I don't know what my life holds. And to be honest with you, we don't know one minute to the next what's going to happen and we just have to walk by faith and not by sight. But David here is telling Jonathan, he's telling Jonathan, listen, I've got death chasing me. And one wrong move and one wrong step, one step in the wrong direction, one step not led of God, one step of my own accord. I am but a dead man. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look for just a minute a few things here and I know we've dealt with, with uh, David and Jonathan some. I don't really want to deal with the, the shooting of the arrows or that particular uh, event. I don't want to highlight on that moment in time, but I want to go back and look at some things here for just a minute. I'll give you a little overview of some of the previous chapters that lead up to this event. First Samuel 18, we understand that David uh, forms a covenant uh, with Jonathan. And that covenant comes because Jonathan was near uh, when Saul was talking to David. Uh, back in chapter number 17, Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. In other words, you know, we found out a few services back that it was uh, Saul's servant that said, Hey, I know where there's a man at. And uh, you understand that when David got down on the battlefield, that that uh, Saul uh, referenced his youth. And Saul didn't see him in the same light as the uh, his servant did. He didn't see him as quite the man that Saul's servant did. But in chapter uh, number 17, verse number 58, we understand that David has already went and fought with Goliath. And David has... Cut the head of the giant off. You understand, that. there had been victory that had been wrought, and God had done something through David. And when we see that, we understand that it caused uh, it caused uh, Saul to ask this question: "Whose son art thou, thou young man?" And David answered, "I am the son of servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite." It caused him to know something about David. He said, "Who in the world are you, boy?" I mean, how in the world did you do that? I mean, he was awestruck, amazed by what had transpired. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul. In other words, he responded. He talked to Saul. The Bible says that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And so Jonathan got to witness uh, uh, what God had done through the life of David, David had yielded his members and his body to that of the will of the Lord. And it made such an impression upon Jonathan that Jonathan loved David in the Lord. And in the Lord, Jonathan respected David. And he thought, uh, he was amazed by David. And they formed a relationship and a friendship that would last throughout their lifetime and even calls David to go to some of Jonathan's offspring later on in the word of God. And bring Mephibosheth unto him and set him under the king's table to eat the king's food. Because of the relationship that David had formed with that of Jonathan. And so David forms a covenant between himself and, and uh, Saul's son Jonathan here. And in this same chapter we know that Saul uh, becomes jealous of David and attempts to kill him not once, Brother Shane, but twice did he try to kill him. Then we move over into 1 Samuel chapter number 19, and we find that Saul informs Jonathan of his desire to kill David, but Jonathan reminds Saul of all David had done for Israel uh, through the help of the Lord. All right, and so uh, we find that David uh, he goes and he fights a second time against. Uh, the Philistines. All right. And, uh, in this chapter, we understand that, uh, he slew them with a great slaughter. So for the second time, we see that David has gone out to the Philistines and wrought a victory for Israel. It wasn't just, uh, it wasn't Saul that was winning these victories. It was David. And, 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 and you understand Saul's relying on David. David's relying on the Lord, but it's making Saul look bad uh, to everyone else and making David look good. And so it's causing serious jealousy to transpire in the heart of that of Saul. And, of course, we back up and you can even find where uh, Saul offers a daughter to David, hoping that it would wind up getting the better of him uh, in that relationship. And there's so much interwoven in this uh, problem and in this situation where Saul has attempted to get to David, but he's just not been able to do it. All right, and so after David goes and he fights the second time against the Philistine we understand, Philistines understand that Saul uh, sends to David's house to kill him because he's already tried a third time. He's swung a javelin at him a third time. And so David sends to David's house to kill him and uh, David's, uh, Saul's daughter, uh, Michael, his, uh, who is married to David, uh, lets him down through a window. We understand that that happened, all right? And then when we get over into verse number uh, 18, the Bible says, so David fled. And escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah. Now I want you to notice this verse of scripture. Because this is interesting. David we know being the shepherd boy who was out with his sheep. David's brothers one by one come before the man of God. Samuel doesn't choose one of them. Not one of them because God did not give him liberty to do so. He asked of Jesse, do you have any more children? They bring David out of the field from the sheep. And this is the one that God wanted. And this is the one that Samuel anointed. Now you need to understand if you go back and read, and we don't have time for all this, but you go back and read in uh, chapter number 18, David didn't feel worthy to marry one of Saul's daughters. Who Who am I to be a member of the king's household? He had already been anointed king. By God, but he was humble, so humble that he he was just willing to take King Saul and say, Who am I to be a member of the king's house? So in his humbleness and in his service to the Lord, we see that God is doing these great things with David. But we understand that David has attempted they've attempted to kill him not once, not twice, but three times. They've gone to his house where he lays down to go to sleep, and they're trying to kill him there. They have to let him down out the window, and he's on the road. You know where he goes? He goes back to Samuel. Where does he go? He goes to Samuel. The first he heard of the kingdom, the first he heard of being a king, the first he heard about this anointing come from that of the man of God. All this trouble ensues. All this issue shows up in his life. He's running for his life. The king of Israel is trying to kill him. He goes back to Samuel. I imagine, Brother Gene, he goes back and says, Hey, bud, what's going on here? God wanted me to do this. You've told me that God wants me to be the king and you've anointed me king. And man, I can't do nothing but run for my life. And I don't know about you, but every once in a while, you get to a place where you feel like you're just running for your life. You're just trying to hang on, you know. And so David fled and escaped. and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Nihoth. It was told Saul, saying, behold, David is at Nihoth in Ramah and Saul sent messengers to take David when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing and over them the spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied so everybody that King uh, King Saul has sent down there to try to kill David has wound up seeing the man of God and David wound up getting in the spirit down there okay and so we find that there's this provision that's continually keeping David going and keeping David alive all right. Well, we get into first Samuel, uh, chapter number, uh, 20, and we find that David goes to find that of Jonathan. Now, I want you to notice this. The only person seems like that's, that's not tried to get a hold of David within the kingdom is that of Jonathan. At the command of Saul, Saul has everyone out to get David. But this is one person that loved David, that David felt like he could trust. Now listen, I don't know about you, but we live in a society today and in a world today that seems like, Brother Gene, everybody, Satan's out to get us. The world don't like us Folk don't agree with us. Listen, they spoke in the house of God ain't saved by the grace of God that don't want to do right, don't want to live right, they're not for it. See, understand what I'm saying. Just very few seems like is willing to get in there and work and fight and go the direction of God. And David had that in Jonathan. And so David, man, he's run for his life. He's had the spears thrown at him. He's been let down through the window. He's went to the man of God. What's going on? I got a friend back there named Jonathan. I'm going to go see him. And so he's longing for somebody to help him. Someone to talk to. David's wanting somebody to lean on brother Gene. And so we find here. That David. uh, Goes to find Jonathan. Let's look here in verse 1. Chapter number 20. David fled from Nihoth. In Ramah. And came and said before Jonathan. So we know that he left. And he went straight to Jonathan. What have I done? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Now I'm being dead serious this morning. You're in such a state of affairs. Your life is such that you have to stop and ask, What have I done? And I know I've been kind of leaning this direction a little bit lately. And we talked about Job and how Job had talked about, you know, he had some things he wanted to say to God. And well, if I could just get to God, I got some things I'd say. And we talked about how when he got in the presence of God, he put his hands over his mouth and said, I am but vile. Because when you get in the presence of God, we understand that it will change your mindset and your way of thinking. But David also is finding himself in this situation. He knows the will of God for his life. Hey, I got news for every one of us. We may not have everything nailed down, but we got the word of God. And we know what the Lord's will is for our life. There's some simple truths in the scripture that we know today. We know, friend, that we are to be a witness We know that we're to try to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We know that we're to be at the house of God when the doors are open because the Bible tells us that we are to be. We have some things in the scripture that we know is the truth that we ought to live by. David understood what the will of God was for his life. But the will of God for his life also come with some danger. There was some things that was after David because David was doing what God wanted him to do. Now, had David chosen not to be in the will of God, David probably wouldn't be dealing with Saul right now. But I'll tell you this, Saul and Israel would have still been dealing with the Philistines. And so it's it's not a matter of, well, if I just do what I want to do, I won't have all these troubles. I got news for you. You're going to have trouble no matter what because man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We need the Lord to be with us, okay? And so what I want you to understand is David and his in his willingness to serve the Lord, he has run to Jonathan. Jonathan was his lifeline. Jonathan was what David was leaning on. And so David goes to him and he says, what have I done? What is mine iniquity? What is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? Listen, if there's something I've done wrong, I'll get it right. I'm willing to do whatever, but just tell me, let me know what's, what's going on. And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Listen, Jonathan, even in his love for David, even in his great love and for David and the covenant that they had between one another, you understand that he did not see the severity Of the issue. Let me ask you a question this morning. You ever been in a situation in your life. You ever found yourself in a position in life. Where you had some friends in the Lord. And you had a covenant. And you loved them and they loved you. But just felt like what you were going through. They just couldn't understand it. They just couldn't get a grip on it. They just couldn't relate to it. They didn't see it in the light that you see it. See you realize here that up to this point. Everything that's happened to David. Uh, uh, Saul has let Jonathan in on Saul even warns uh, oh, it says over here in chapter 19 verse 1 and Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David but then we understand in chapter 19 that, that uh, David has or excuse me that Jonathan went to Saul on David's behalf and said look let's think about this look at what all David's done look at what the Lord done for Israel look at what David why, why do you have cause to be mad at David and the truth we understand caused it to prick the heart of Saul, and Saul even gets down here and says, "And Saul hearken unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swear as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain." So after he swore to his son that he wasn't going to kill David, this, this evil rises up on the inside of Saul yet again, and he's determined to kill David, but this time he doesn't tell Jonathan And when David goes to Jonathan to talk to Jonathan about this, Jonathan's not even listening really halfway to what David's saying. He's got it in his mind that my daddy wouldn't do this without letting me know something about it. But David knew real well because David was the one living in the problem. I got news for you sometimes we're the one living in the problem. Sometimes we're the one living with the issues. All of our brothers and sisters in Christ that love us and are friends with us and care about us, even though there just seems like a small number left in this world that we have a covenant with, or a relationship with, or, 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 or have some kind of bond with, doesn't seem to get it and doesn't seem to understand it. Right. And so Jonathan here is saying, "Listen, you, I mean, Davidson, you don't, you don't, you don't realize." David says, or he says in verse number three, and David swore moreover and said, thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Now listen, here's what I want to deal with this morning. How many of you could say that you have death barking on your trail. Now listen, I realize health issues and things of that nature cause some of us to be more acutely aware of it than others. But every one of us got death barking on our trail. Every one of us got a day out there in eternity where we're going to have to lay our eye, close our eyes in death and draw our last breath. David saying, "Listen, I'm in the will of the Lord. I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. I'm serious about serving Him. I didn't do all this for nothing. I didn't do it for my own uh, uh, my own uh, for people to, to brag on me. We see the humbleness of David all through the scripture. He was the man that watched his P's and Q's and he dotted his eyes and crossed his T's and done what he'd done for the Lord. But it turns out that he's one step away from death. I don't know about you, but it gets tiresome sometimes, feeling like one wrong move and you're a dead man. One wrong move and it's over. Seems like no matter what you do, it's just you get to the point where you are just at the end of it and you don't know which way to turn. And David says, there's but a, there's but a step between me and death. And then here's what I want to look at. Let's go to th- verse 39. Now we know the story about the warning. We know the story about how David uh, had been warned of Jonathan by the shooting of the arrows, that, w- that uh, it let David know Saul's intention. And it let David know that Jonathan knew Saul's intention, okay? But we get down here to verse number, um, let's look at verse number 34. So we find here that Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger because we know that Jonathan has had an altercation with Saul. Saul's let it be known to Jonathan, yes, I'm going to kill David. Just Jonathan's aware that Saul lied to him. Jonathan's aware that David certainly is in trouble. My dad has lied to me. He's told me that he wasn't going to kill him. and Now he's going to kill him. And I'm, he's in trouble. we got to do something. And so Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and little lad with him. Can I say to you, let me, let me pause here for a minute. Jonathan was grieved over David's situation. Jonathan was grieved. But can I say that grief didn't change David's situation. Sometimes I want us to understand something. We look at people that are going through hardships and struggles and trials and we want to give them a word of encouragement and a pat on the back and when they don't seem to get no better, we get we get weary ourselves because we don't know how to help them. We don't know what to do for them. We don't know what to say for them. We don't know how to, how to encourage them anymore. It just doesn't seem to be working. All that Jonathan felt towards David didn't change David's situation. You need to understand that. So we find here it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out in the field at the time appointed with David. And little lad with him. And he said unto his lad run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay uh, stay not. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the lad knew not anything, only Jonathan and David knew the matter. So let me say this. We're down to just two people in all of Israel that understand the severity of what David is going through. You realize that? Jonathan seemed like Jonathan was David's only hope. Jonathan was that last human being in all of Israel that truly understood what David was going through. Now listen what happens here. But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad and said unto him, Go carry them to the city." And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times and they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. You understand? Let me explain to you what's happening here. There's more than just one agonizing problem. The problem is now it's not just that David is having to run for his life. It's not just that everyone uh, that, that that David's friend Jonathan understands the severity of what he's going through. It's not just that we've come down to this point, but now there's fixing to be one more problem. The one person that knew what David was going through. The one person that David had a covenant relationship with. The one person that David could talk to that had some kind of inclination as to David's true problem is now fixing to be separated from David now listen closely here said as soon as the lad was gone David rose out of the place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times and they kissed one another and wept one another until David exceeded that means that David cried the more David was heartbroken. David was lost David was by himself he was crying and weeping more even more than Jonathan and Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us on the name of the Lord, saying, Lord, be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. So in verse 41, David ran to Jonathan and they cried and wept. And David exceedingly cried. He cried the more. Verse 42, Jonathan's told David to go in peace. In other words, let me, if I could put it this way, this is basically what Jonathan is saying to David. I've gone with you as far as I can go. Now, it's up to you. Now, listen to me real close right here. Because there is going to be a time, if you're not here, that you will be. There is coming a time in your life that you're going to reach the point where you feel like that your, your number of people that understand what you're going through shrinks. And then you get down to the point where maybe it's just two or three that understand. Then you get to that point where there's just that one person that you long to be with. David left the man of God and he ran to Jonathan because he knew that he had a friendship there That would last a lifetime. But even those friendships. Even those worldly uh, friendships friend. Can't take you through all. That you are going to have to go through. There are things in your life. You're going to deal with at some point. That I can't help you. And your friends can't help you. And your wife cannot help you. But there is one today friend. That can help you. Now listen to me closely. He says I can't go any further with you. Circumstances this morning caused separation and aloneness. There were no hard feelings between Jonathan. There were no hard feelings towards uh, David. There were no problem between the two. They loved one another. There was a covenant between them. And whether they was, one was here and one was there, they, they loved one another. But there was two options taking place. The two options are David stays with Jonathan and he dies. Or he goes without him and he lives. Now sometimes it feels like that separation is surely sort of going to kill us. Sometimes it feels like that aloneness is what is going to actually take us out. But if he had stayed with David or David stayed with Jonathan, he was a dead man. So when David was without Jonathan, we understand that he wasn't without God. And Jesus, let me explain to you something this morning. Jesus came to a place he hadn't lived in. To endure what he never had endured. To buy what he really wanted. You and I and our life are going to come to a place where we've never been before. But can I say to you, God in that time is still doing something with Your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God is trying to do. Listen. Christ must have wanted us a lot. To have come. Put on a robe of flesh. To allow the Romans. To lay him down on a cross. And nail him to a cross after he had been brutally beaten and wounded and bloody and his visage was marred unlike any man unrecognizable couldn't see him his bones were visible to the human eye I mean this G- Jesus had been torn to pieces why? because he wanted you and he wanted me can I say to you that's still what he's wanting today And you need to think about that he's still wanting you And He's still wanting me. So can I say to you, we better make sure this morning that we're keeping Him first in our life. If He wanted you enough to die on Calvary, if He wanted you enough to go through that agonizing torment, friend, He still longs to be with you today. And 1 Samuel 23 and verse number 14 It says, And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. He's lost Jonathan. That one that he could talk to, that one he longed to run to when he had trouble, was gone. There was separation between them. But you know what? It didn't stop Saul every day from trying to chase David down and kill him seems like we're all alone in the world and troubles have come. Problems arise. And listen, my problems are different than your problems. I know that. We all got our own issues in life. And if you don't have any this morning, just hang on. You got some coming for It's over with. But what I'm saying to you is he's by himself, but the troubles are still coming. The trouble's still compounding. He's still running. He's doing the same thing he was doing before he got separated from Jonathan. The only difference is now he don't even have Jonathan. He's all by himself. The Bible says here, and Saul sought him every day, but God, now notice this, but God delivered him not into his hand. You know what we're finding out here? We're finding out here that when David was running from Saul, he went to Jonathan for the answers. He asked Jonathan, What have I done? What can I do to stop this? What's going to happen? He was looking for the answers, Brother Shane, at the wrong source sometimes friend we run into trouble and we long for the church and we long for our brothers and sisters in Christ And our brothers and sisters in Christ should pray and seek God and talk to God on our behalf we understand that that's the Bible it's true but there are times friend when it's just you and God and I want us to understand something today our help don't come from brother Shane Our help don't come from Brother Gene. Our help don't come from Brother Marvin. Our help comes from the Lord today, friends. And so here's what I want you to see. Although Jonathan's gone, and although David's still running, and although Saul's still chasing him every day, the Bible said, but God delivered him not into his hand. Do you know why David was still alive? you know why David was still okay Do you know why the enemy still hadn't got to David? It wasn't because of Jonathan, friend. It was because of God. David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. Now look what happens here. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Can I say we're at a place in the scripture here where David knew Jonathan couldn't help him. Jonathan was in a place where Jonathan knew that Jonathan couldn't help him. And when both men realized that it was God that was keeping David moving forward, God allowed Jonathan to go back down there. And here's what Jonathan done. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand. But how did he strengthen his hand? He strengthened his hand in God. You know what we got to do today? I'm going to have problems that you can't help me with. And you're going to have problems that I can't help you with. But what we ought to do, friend, is take each other and point each other back towards God. Because in all of our problems and all of our trials and all of our situations and all the people that we think that we have, one day we may not have them, but we'll always have him. And he died for us and he longs for us and he, he wants to be with us and he wants us to have a closeness to him and with him because he died on Calvary. Because he shed his blood. When a person goes through something like that for an individual friend, they have a longing for someone. I'm telling you friend, it'd be heart pressed for me to go through what Christ went through for you. But Christ done it because he loves you and if he was willing to die for you then he was willing friend, to do what's necessary to keep you in a place where you can have that relationship. Man, listen, people get aggravated at God. In their trials and in their circumstances and in their problems, they get mad at God and act like it's all about God. I don't know how God could do this. I don't know how God could do that. I don't know how God could allow this. See, It's all about God. All the time about God. No, really friend, it's all about you. You need to realize that it's all about you. What you're going through, God wants to take that and draw you closer to him. Because he loves you. And he loves me. And he wants that closeness. When Jonathan couldn't help him, God could. We understand here that Jonathan has been allowed to come back to David. And when he strengthened him, he strengthened his hand in the Lord. So Jonathan knew he couldn't fix it, and David knew Jonathan couldn't fix it, but they both knew one that could, and I thank God for that. Now listen, as we were talking the other night about Nehemiah chapter number 8, we were discussing how the children of Israel had this tendency to have an upward and a downward motion all the time. They'd get where God wanted them to be, and then they'd forget how God had, had done things with them and for them and helped them. And how he'd been their stay. And how he'd been their help. And they'd forget God. And then the next thing you know, they'd be in trouble again. And God would let them have to go through some things to get their attention. And they'd come to the end of themselves and realize, really, they, without God, were nothing. And without God, they had nothing. And everything that they longed for and hoped for without God, didn't even, it wasn't good. Food didn't taste right. Our brother, brother Shane talks about the sheets being too short. You know, the sheets were too short. I mean, nothing in life seemed right. And they knew that they had to turn back to God. And it was always an upward and a downward thing. But we found in Nehemiah chapter number 8, when the wall had been built at Jerusalem and the men had, uh, had gathered around and Ezra had opened the word of God and began to speak through the word of God, uh, that they all began to weep because the word of God was effectual in their life. And this was said, it says, Eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. And we were talking about how that, that when things are right and you're where God wants you to be and, and and you're able to let what God says to you be effectual. When your ears are tuned and your antenna is pointed towards God and you're willing and ready to hear what God has to say to you with an open heart, then it's a sweet thing. You get to enjoy the, the, the sweet. You get to eat the fat. You get to enjoy the things of God. They wept with joy. They, they, they had a merry heart. The Bible said they had the heart, they had mirth. They had a, they had a gaiety. They were joyous. They were excited because they had an, they, the word of God was effectual in their heart. Well, Psalms 119 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. I'm going somewhere. I know this. Just hang with me. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. They had heard the word of God with a shame. The word of God was effectual in their life. And they were told to eat the fat and drink the sweet. But the psalmist said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, Yea, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." Psalms 34 and 8, very familiar, says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. David here is a man that understood, Brother Gene, what it was to hear from God, to have a closeness with God, and to taste the goodness of the Lord in his life. When he only had God, he still had everything. He says, "Oh, taste, see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. David learned to trust in the Lord. you know when you trust in the Lord, there has to be a closeness in the relationship. You don't trust people you ain't close to. Matter of fact, some people you are close to, you trust them and still find out you shouldn't have trusted them. But the Lord is trustworthy. And the Bible said, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what the children of Israel had done, Brother Shane? They had been drugged through Babylonian captivity because of their sin. And they, the remnant had been brought back. And God was talking to them and working with them. And they were trusting in his word. And trusting what he had to say. And it was effectual in their life. And they were happy. And they had been restored. and joy in their life. Alright, so the Bible says this though. Proverbs 27 and 7. This is really where I'm wanting to go. The full soul loatheth an honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So what's that got to do with anything, preacher? Well, we've been talking about eating the fat and drinking the sweet and the word of God and being close to God and his precepts and how, he, uh, how sweet is thy words unto my taste, sweeter than the, the honey to my mouth. But the Bible says the full soul loatheth and honeycomb. I got to thinking about a little kid. You give a kid a pile of candy and if you don't stop them, they'll eat eat the whole pile. They'll eat the whole pile until they get sick, Brother Gene. They'll eat the whole pile of candy until they get absolutely sick. And then when they get throw up sick, they don't want to eat nothing else. They ain't going to eat their supper. They don't want to do nothing, but they turn green and curl up on the couch because of all the food all the sweets that they had eaten. And I've got to thinking about Proverbs 27, 7, where it says the full soul loatheth and honeycomb. Loatheth means to hate, Brother Gene. I mean to absolutely despise, to not want anything to do with anything that has to do with that honey. Proverbs 27, and 7. Let me find my place here. Loathe is to feel disgust at food or drink. To hate it, and the full soul load of the honeycomb. So this honey that's so sweet that David keeps referencing, and the Bible talks about eating the fat, drinking the sweet, and oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But to be so full of it, you know what happens sometimes, brother Shane. We're such a blessed people. We're such a we're a people that's had so much given to us by God that, like the children of Israel, we find, brother Gene, that we turn our nose up at the things that God wants to do for us we don't appreciate the simple beautiful wonderful things that God has done for us we don't have the closeness that God wants us to have and sometimes with God has to allow us to go to a place and take us to a place where he simply just wants us to turn and point ourselves back David wasn't a rebellious man against God when he was going through this But I'll tell you, David learned something, Brother Shane. David learned that he could taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because he trusted in him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The full soul loatheth in honeycomb. Listen to this. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You know, things that don't even taste good. When you're starving to death, Man, you just long for it. Your mouth will water for it. Listen, I hate fried mushrooms with a purple passion. But when my wife and I was on the keto diet, man, she could fry mushroom, and all I could think about was eating that thing. You know why? Because I was hungry. Honest to God, that's the truth. I was hungry. When I was on that diet, the Marvin, I wanted things I never wanted before. Things that I never had eaten before. Things that used to smell bad to me, boy, my mouth would water when I think about it. You know what happens? God allows us sometimes to get to a place. He hasn't left us. He hasn't turned his back on us. But he gets us to a place where that over-familiarity, that being so used to the blessings of God, that it causes us to say, hey, I'm hungry for you. Lord." You know what Job was doing? Job, chapter after chapter after chapter, just wanted to talk to God. If I could just get a hold of God. I would argue with him and tell him how in the world could I be going through this? But when God got in front of him, it changed Job's perspective. God wants us to be that way towards him. Listen to me this morning. I'm about done. I don't know what you need. I know this. Maybe you're lost this morning, never been saved. God has a way friend of allowing you to get to the place where you want to go where he's at. He will take the peace and the comfort out of your life and you will know that if you die, you're going to hell and the No peace at all. You won't have any help or peace till you turn to God. But you may be saved this morning. You may not be rebelling against God. And if you are rebelling against God, listen to me. He can do you just what He done to the children of Israel. He can put you in captivity like you've never thought of in your life. You'll hang your hearts on the willow. You'll want to know how you can sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land. Uh, You won't have any happiness. But I'll say this, maybe you're in the will of the Lord this morning. Maybe you're trying to do what God wants you to do. Maybe you're at the place where you don't feel like you've got a friend in the world that understands. Maybe you feel like you're absolutely 100% all alone. Friend, you still have God and all God's longing for is what he's been longing for ever since he saved your soul. And ever since he died on Calvary. And that's to have a relationship with you so close and so tight knit, friend, that nothing could drive a wedge between you and God. That's what he's longing for. Listen, I'm not saying that the Jonathans are wrong in this life, but David had to learn to trust in the Lord before Jonathan came back down there and strengthened him. And when he did, he strengthened him in the Lord. He didn't come down there and give him the thoughts of Jonathan. He didn't come down there and give him what Jonathan had to say, but he came down there and talked to him about the Lord. Friend, you know what's going to help us today? It's the Lord. I can't help you. I really can't. I can preach to you. I can pray for you. I can do whatever I can for you. But at the end of the day, I can't help you. I'm not living your life. I'm not going through what you're going through. I'm not the one down there, Brother Shane, trying to take care of a woman that's in need. We have a lady in our church that's doing that day after day, week after week, month after month, giving of herself for the help of someone else that she loves. I'm not going through that. I can't fully understand it. I have an idea of it, but I know one that does. God. Every one of us have places in our life where others can't help us, where others don't understand, but God does. And all God's wanting, Brother Gene, is for us to lean on him and to trust him and to say Lord that blood you shed that's covered my sin I thank you that cross you died on because of me that sin that you bore on your shoulders that was mine Lord I love you And Lord I know there's places in the life that no human can feel but God you can Listen, there's voids in your life this morning. If you're not where God wants you to be, if you don't have that close relationship with the Lord, if you're not where God is at for in that capacity, you need to understand something. There's voids in your life nobody can feel. God wants to take you in your situation, whether it be through rebellion or whether it be just trying to get you closer to Him. He's trying to teach you and show you things that will cause you to lean on Him. But sometimes we say, oh, how could God do so? Seems like it's all about God all the time. No, friend, it's not about God all the time. It's about you. And it's been about you since the very first day when he made mankind. It's been about you. God wants you this morning. If you're lost, he wants you to be saved. If you're rebelling against him, he wants you to be closer to him. He wants you to be right. He wants you leaning on him. If you're in the will of God this morning, he just wants to draw you closer. He just longs to be the number one in your life. And is God number one in your life this morning? Sister, if you'll come to the piano, I'm, I'm done. Is God, listen to me now, is God number one in your life? Are you leaning on him? Are you trusting him? Is he trying to teach you and show you things in your life? Listen, as long as you're drawing breath, friend, you're learning. As long as you're drawing breath, God's trying to draw you closer. As, and listen, one of these days, friend, Listen, we get in such a shape sometimes where we, we get so caught up in ourselves. What do you think we're going to do when we're in heaven? I'm not going to be shopping for a boat, Brother G. I'm not going to be shopping for a new pickup truck. I'm not going to be looking for a new gun. I'm not going to be looking for a new pair of shoes or a new pocketbook. I'm going to be praising the woman that died for me. And all he's trying to do on this side of eternity is just get close to us. He's wanting you close. He's wanting to draw you closer. How are you this morning with the Lord? How close are you, Lord? Are you getting everything out of the relationship that God is wanting you to get? David said, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. He's wanting a deeper connection with you. He had this to say, and I'll be done. Psalms 19 and 14, let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Listen to this. My strength and my redeemer. Friend, he's my redeemer. His blood was shed. And because of his blood, there was remission of sin. But more than just being my redeemer this morning, brother Shane, he's my strength. The Lord is my strength. Get close to him, friend because you're gonna find a day where you're gonna need him. And when that day comes, there's nobody gonna be able to help you. Nobody's gonna be able to be there for you. You're gonna be one step away from death, friend, and those that did love you is gonna have to look at you and say, I've gone with you as far as I can go. But guess what? That's not how far. It's farther than that, that Christ goes with you. God will not forsake you. Friend, we talk about it all the time. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, but we better realize today, how severe that statement is. We can understand what it is to know that no matter who has to turn back from us, no matter who looks at us and says, I can't go with you any farther, we have one that will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I'm done.